Welcome back to the Change Cultivators, and I am excited to be back for season four, which sees us opening up the art of managing change with two repeat guests, Cassandra Worthy, who we just spoke with last week, and now Dr. Melissa Grill-Peterson. Uh, our Change Warrior ladies have been super busy launching new books and speaking to the world on how to personally harness and optimize change. And so I really couldn't help myself and neither could Patrick to get some of our, our really special guests back on the show. Melissa, welcome back. And it is so nice to have you here today. Oh, it's such a joy. Thank you so much, Roz. So at Change Cultivators, as many of you will know, we spend our time speaking to established and seasoned change leaders that have earned their stripes in managing and dealing with change so that we can then share their experiences, guidance and lessons learned with you, our listeners. And today we're taking a really fun twist on the concept of change by looking at longevity and leadership and how the language of our DNA can help us actually navigate change, if you can believe it. Yeah. And who better than to take us through that than Dr. Melissa Gore peterson who is a sought-after expert in thriving focusing on epigenetics and precision longevity. So Melissa, you have a new book that's just come out. You've got the upcoming longevity summit, which we will discuss more on that a little bit later. Um, and Melissa also has a great gift for our listeners that we will share at the end of the show. Yeah. So Melissa, with your book and with the summit, I wanted to dive quickly into the concept of epigenetics um, in precision longevity. Um, and today, how we're talking about how this language can really, you know, help us navigate change. And yeah. I know a lot of our listeners probably don't even know what the word epigenetics means. So I'd love you to start off and just give them a little bit of color uh, around the context of, of epigenetics and the language of our DNA. Perfect. So our DNA is, of course, understood to be our human blueprint. And at one point, it was really thought that our genes were our destiny. Whatever you got, you're stuck with. Well, the blueprint is just that. It's a blueprint of potential. And so that's our genomics, our genetics. What is epigenetics is what is above the gene. It's literally translated to mean above the gene. And why this is important is because it's not the DNA itself that determines how it, what it's going to make, how it's going to express. It's actually the signal from above the gene. And that signal is determined by the quality of the environment around the gene. And that inner environment is a direct link to our outer environment. So if we had to make a real simple way, it's essentially how we're showing up on the outer world in our day-to-day -day interactions, our thoughts, our habits, our, our beliefs, the, everything that we're engaged in, the air we're breathing, foods we're eating, right, clothes we're wearing, conversations we're having, teams we're leading. All of those little micro moments are all creating information that's having a direct and immediate response on our internal physiology, how the inner world is understanding and responding to the outer world. And so, Let's just think of epigenetics as the important signals, the quality of the information that's going to discern and determine how our DNA is actually going to be informed to express or to repress, turn on or turn off. So are you saying that um, what we consciously choose to do in our daily lives, be it at home, with our relationships, with, with friends and family colleagues, that this can have an impact on our, our DNA language and how we 
thrive for a, a, a healthy life and and longevity. You talk about being able to live till 121. Are you saying this is kind of the power of the mind that can then impact your DNA? So there is the component of, yes, the power of the mind, but there's so much more happening, right? So I don't want to just let it say, hey, it's just what you think. It's just your perception. The power of perception is one of the largest levers in the entire system. But really, if we go down into some more tactical, practical, it immediately goes into kind of our primitive hardwiring. So there's our nervous system and specifically our autonomic nervous system. So the way that we can think about this is, hey, this is the this is the communication network, right? So all of a sudden, it's what's going to determine what is happening, what's important. And the body's number one job is to keep us alive. So in business, we want to keep the business alive. We want to keep it thriving. So how are we, how are we doing that, right? What enables us to, to figure that out? So we've got checks and balances. We've got systems in place in our own business that gives us instantaneous feedback. Well, in the body, the first on response, if you will, is the autonomic nervous system. Now, people have probably all heard about this through what's called the sympathetic fight or flight side of that nervous system, as well as the parasympathetic rest and digest. And the really interesting thing is that think of these literally as a switch point. I call them choice points because you cannot both be in sympathetic and parasympathetic simultaneously. It is either or. So you're in the sympathetics, you're fighting and flighting, you're like running and gunning, or you are in parasympathetic, you're resting, you're digesting, you're integrating, you're resetting, you're rejuvenating. And so when we think about this, is it our mind? Yes, our mind is absolutely an important part of this because how we are perceiving, how we're responding to what's happening in our day-to-day lives is immediately informing that autonomic nervous system. It's also sending other, it's, there's, you know, there's a lot of different communicators, if you will. But the easy way to think about this is it's immediately the mind is informing the body. Does this, is this life-giving? Is this depleting? Is this a context of where we can thrive, right? Because if the brain wants to keep us alive, it's always determining, is this friend or foe? Is this threat or thrive? And if it's threat, we're going to shut down. We're going to withdraw, right? If it's friend, if it's thrive, we want to grow forward. We want to engage. So this level of discernment is always at play in our entire nervous system and our physiology. And it goes right down to that doorstep of our DNA. Mm -hmm. And as you say, the mind is one side of things, but it's also that ability to rest, to step out of the rat race, to eat properly. As you say, it's all it's all living with intention, you know, which I know you use that that phrase a lot. And uh, our last week's guest, Cassandra, who I mentioned earlier, she focuses on um, change enthusiasm and how yeah. emotion signals your biggest opportunity. You know, your 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 biggest negative emotion can be your biggest opportunity in life. And, you know, yeah. we, we had a great chat with her on that. So it's just a, a wonderful link, you know, more, you know, deeper on the health side of things. So I can hear many of our listeners from the corporate world saying, okay, I get it. Um, you know, let's so let's marry this concept of DNA language and how it practically shows up and could yeah. be applied in in a work or corporate setting for a person, you know, either as a as a team member or or as a leader. How does this practically look? How can you yeah. get present to it and apply it um, in, a, in, a, in a work environment? Great question. So first, let's understand that really it's a choice point. Right. So if we so we're going to we're going to stack a few Legos together here. 
so to build this. So first and foremost, it's a choice point. And then the next thing we say, okay, well, what's informing the choice? Well, it's the quality of the information. Well, what informs the quality of the information? In this context, it's the environment and all of the people and the places and the activities within that environment. Okay, so what does this mean in corporate America? So when we're looking at how we can navigate change, obviously as leaders, you know, we're managing teams and people and the dynamics that's happening as well as bottom line and, and you know, initiatives that are important for the company. And all of this happens in an environment. Now, obviously, since the pandemic, many of us are now working from home and those environments have changed. And so the quality of our environment, both individually and collectively as teams, matters. It matters because right now, um, I'm sitting in front of a window, for example. I have natural sunlight coming in and I'm able to see nature. Now, that's actually a really positive. There's a lot happening with that to my Mm -hmm. own neurology and how it's helping my brain get both a hit of dopamine and serotonin is going to help me stay productive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just for an example, if I'm surrounded by clutter, by darkness, if I'm surrounded by poor air quality, poor temperature control, just even things like that, that seem Mm -hmm. benign that we as a leader may never take into consideration can impact the quality of the experience that your team is working within. If we really want to, if we really want to take it down, I mean, how healthy your employees are, right, is going to determine how healthy their work output is. And so there's a lot of things that we just look to say, okay, what are these really key choice points that can become big levers? And I love that you were saying that Cassandra was saying, hey, even in the most negative, that could be an opportunity. And I love to say yes to stress. I feel that stress is, it's perceived as something bad, but it's really not. You know, we even talked a little bit about this on the last time we were together. Stress, and again, that autonomic nervous system, fight or flight, rest or digest, it's not that this is bad, it's innately good. And so here's what I want everybody to understand. Choice points, stress, loads to our workday, to our schedules, to our physical systems, are impetuses for growth. They're impetuses for growth. And this is really important. Now, we as leaders like to just put our pedal to the metal and we keep going. And we just keep driving and driving and expanding and expanding. It's all about this growth, exponential growth. But here's the deal. Is that what creates true anti-fragility, what creates true opportunity, true resilience, and true growth to evolve forward, to change forward, isn't about just going and going and going and going and going. That's when we actually move out of eustress, which is good stress, into distress. That's when there will be an overload. That's when there will be a crash and burn. And so what I mean by this is see those stress moments as opportunities to go great, to have that discernment in those choice points to know when do we need to drive? And also what determines all of the success of all of this is the time to rest Mm. and integrate rest and integrate. We must do that. We must do that for our teams. We must do that for ourselves. If we have to literally schedule it on our calendars, it has to become a non-negotiable, you know, and, and again, we talked a little bit last time, but this also takes us into concepts of flow state, right? So if we Mm -hmm. want to navigate change, we have to understand it's, it's choice, it's quality of information, Uh, that's coming from that environment? And where do we see those opportunities to lean in and say, yes, like what's, what is really stimulating that sense of thrive, of growth, of opportunity? What feels like a threat? And at what point, at what point do we feel like we are being overloaded, over, overworked, 
because that's the critical choice point to say, foot off the gas, mm-hmm. we must rest, we must integrate, and then we must reset. Yeah. And it's almost counterintuitive to human nature because you think I'm busy, I'm stressed, I've got so much to do, I've got to keep going, I've got to keep going. But that is, as you say, that is the obvious trigger point. When you're at that point, that's the time to say, let me step off the bus and go. And even if it's as simple as I'm going to go and have an afternoon nap or I'm going to go for a walk outside, you know, and you're in the office, I'm going to go for a half an hour walk through the park because I'm no good to anyone when I'm not thinking clearly and I'm tired. Um, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Sir Clive Woodward uh, a few weeks ago, and he was the very famous individual who took the um, British rugby team to win the World Cup for the first time in its history, and uh, he wrote wrote a book called How to Win. I think there's two versions, How to Win and Winning, Um, but his unique approach on coaching this team to be World Cup champions was to treat – to look after themselves first, so everything from their diet, their health, their sleep, their relationships, how much time they were spending between the sport and home. And, you know, he he said in the beginning they were going, well, what has this got to do with the game of rugby? You know, and, and his whole book is about almost running rugby as a sport, as a business, which involves looking after your people, looking after yourself. Um, and he just brought a whole new concept to the to the you know field of sports management. It's a fantastic book. You know, if you haven't read it, go read it. But it really did focus on what you're talking about. Is you're not good as a team member if you're not good yourself, and yes. that is an individual choice you have to make, right? I mean, is it the manager's choice to say, "Hang on, are you spending enough time on yourself?" Or is this an individual choice we have right. to take ownership of? Yeah, we always have to start with self first. You know, nobody else is here to save us um, at all, period. End of story. Even the people we love the most. It's not anybody else's responsibility except our own. We are all sovereign human beings, individuals. And so while support is wonderful, right? Support is amazing. And we are we are creatures that are designed to connect. We need to, to come together to support one another. Um, and yet it begins by first supporting ourselves. And even the awareness of, I need support. Yeah. I need more time. You know, it's important to be able to recognize that for yourself because we all default to this um, thought that, well, they should just know. My boss yeah. should see. My my mm. spouse should see. My, my children should see. You know, my friends, down the list it goes. We all do it. And yeah. yet reality is, Nobody is experiencing life or understanding life through your unique lens. Yeah, yeah. You are the only one that's thinking those thoughts, feeling those feelings, seeing things the way that you do, processing the way you process. And so if we're not willing to be our own advocate, you know, then nobody else will ever be for us. So yes, it's always begin with self first, um, choose self first. And, and we have to be willing to look at what are we doing to promote these false beliefs that there isn't enough and we just have to keep going and we are just so busy. Well, those are all just says who like we, we are at any moment, even the power of our words, because let me just tie this together. That is that language, that literal verbal auditory language that you're speaking um, that, you know, that that's triggering certain neurochemicals in the brain, but it is also creating chemistry in the body. So the more busy we are, right, the more like just not enough, not enough. First of all, those are stress chemicals. Okay. And so, so when we think of stress and we think of sympathetic, 
and we think of um, foot on the gas, this is a pro-inflammatory state which will accelerate the rate of aging and breakdown in the body is actually termed a clinical term called inflammaging. So if you are concerned about how healthy you are, your mental capacity, your physical capacity, your performance, then you do want to tune into how am I perpetuating stress or the sense of stress in my body, in my mind, in my work, in my team, in my life. And you're not going to handle it all at once. And that's okay. It's just, it's every day is a day that we get to just check in. And some days yeah. we're going to do really great and some days we're not. Um, and But the, the fastest thing I would say, Roz, and I know in our first interview, we, we talked about some principles, but I think if I could tell everybody this, it's when we think about what's that choice point, what's that moment when we are feeling overwhelmed, overloaded, and it feels like self-care is another to-do on the list. Like, I don't have 30 minutes to go for the walk. Like, I have to be in this meeting, Right. So then we go, okay, well, let's forget about 30 minutes. Can we start with 60 seconds? And instead of needing to put something else on our schedule, can we find natural moments throughout our current life that we Mm -hmm. could add in some things that already support greater resiliency in our own body? Okay, because uh, let me just, when we're stressed, that's closing down that DNA. That's creating what's called methylation. It literally closes off access to some of the very elements that your body needs. Okay, so Mm -hmm. with this, there is something called vagal, the vagal, the vagus nerve, and there's called vagal tone. So the moment we stimulate the vagus nerve, we go Mm -hmm. into parasympathetic. So we do this little toggle state. Um, and this could be 60 seconds of gargling. It's 60 seconds of humming, you know, it's 60 seconds of slowing down your breath in and out through the nose. It is, you know, there's, there's a laundry list. I have a whole list and maybe we can get this over to your folks, but, um, it is some simple things that you can do just in your normal day. Yeah. I yeah. can start to toggle that system again, those choice points. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the key is the minute you feel stressed to use that as your checkpoint to say, this is not a good state. I need to either go sit on the toilet in the bathroom and go hum to myself for 10 minutes or something or go walk around the block before my meeting or, you know, put a, a session in the diary with my boss next week to talk about my schedule, like own it, manage it, because it's the flag that says to you, hang on, things are not going to go well here if you don't deal with it, right? And a lot of the the CEOs I've worked with over the years, a lot of my consulting work is with boards and CEOs. The best CEOs I've ever worked with are religious about carving out personal time, whether it's getting up an hour early in the morning to go cycling, to go running. If they have to finish at four o'clock to go and do their rowing, they get back on the computer at six and carry on. Like nothing breaks their exercise and rest period, you know? And I think we think that the more senior you get, the less time you have for yourself, but actually it's the opposite way around, right? Because what you're saying is at that point, you need more time to think clearly, which is, you know, really a big part of what we're talking about here, which is your DNA language. So Melissa, I want to chat a little bit about your book, because I know that um, a lot of this is covered in your book and you have, um, I think it is, uh, 
multiple authors that have that have co-authored this book with you. Yeah. Um, and for our listeners, um, the link to Melissa's book can be found in our show notes. So go check it out. It is a very, very interesting read. It's not a long read. It's a nice medium length read. So go and grab a copy of that on Amazon or find the link in our pages. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, the codes of longevity. Um, so really, I set out with the intention of I did want to create kind of this was the foundational piece, and there's more um, installments coming that really helped people to understand when when the word longevity is heard, typically people think of some of the things that come up as oh that's for people 55 or over, that's not me, or that's um, like I don't want to focus about getting longer, like I'm just like struggling to get through the day right now, and if getting older means like I'm going to be in a nursing home, like I just don't even want to think about it, and. For me, it became really important to um, disrupt the current paradigm and and help people to understand that there is really a new conversation that I think that the majority of people don't even understand is happening. And I love Stephen Coltier's work and the title of his book, I'm going to use it right now with Peter Diamandis, is The Future is Faster Than You Think. And it is here and coming in. And so many of us are still in this kind of reactive, outdated mode that we don't understand. We don't truly understand what more, first and foremost, is actually possible within our own human capacity and abilities. Um, So we're still walking around using limited ideas, outdated belief systems. And so when it comes to the conversation of longevity, longevity actually begins 120 days before we're ever conceived, before we're ever even sperm and egg meet. Longevity begins. So, and the the father is actually a huge contributor to that with the methylation marks that are happening um, within the sperm. So, longevity isn't about over 50. It's not 55. It's not about aging better. It's about living and thriving by design at every age and every stage of life. To me, it's a longevity. It's a, it's a legacy conversation. And so I also want to, you know, typically out in the marketplace, there's conversations around life extension. And again, that's mm-hmm. not exciting for everybody. And I'm like, yeah. no, we're living longer, but it's very clear that we're not living better, right? So for me, I'm like, mm-hmm. there's still these big gaps. And so, you know, instead of trying to um, treat things in car- compartments, which they're not, the system is a complex system. I wanted to create the conversation that helped people to have a framework to navigate, okay, wait, it is possible, whether you want it to be or not, like it it is, it's happening. Like the first Mm -hmm. people that are going to live to 150 and 200 have been born. We're easily going to see 120 in our lifetime, easily 150. Um, What's dropping in in the next five to 10 years in the longevity space is truly going to be transformative with extending the years. But what about extending the quality of how well we're living and experiencing life right now? And so I really took this approach of lifespan, health span, and wealth span. We looked at the mind, the body, the soul. We really brought this conversation together. We give people ways to discern for themselves and assess at the end of the book, like, hey, where do I need to kind of dip in? Do I have some health signs and symptoms that I really actually need to be more mindful right now to kind of slow down this aging process if I ever wanted to stop and reverse it? Because we are in a stage where we can reverse age. So the codes of longevity, definitely different authors because I wanted different voices of expertise. I didn't want to try to be all of that, even though I know about everything in there. I interview on it. I talk about it, educate, but I'm not, you're not going to come to me 
to give you hormones, you know, but can <laughs> I you on hormones? Yes. You're not going to come to me for stem cell injections, but yeah. you know, like, so I wanted the people in those proper lanes to be able to, to really share that information. Yeah. And I think the nice thing about the book is also pulling the medical and the practical together. So obviously there's medical things you can do, but there's also personal decisions you can make that they work together or, you know, one can work without the other, but it's a nice pull through of the medical and the actual practical application of the concept. So what impact do you expect or hope people to get out of the book, both personally and professionally? Yeah, I think my, my biggest wish for people is that they truly understand just how limitless they are, that they are willing to get curious and just question their current beliefs and perceptions about where they, what they think is possible for them. Um, And to be willing without judgment or shame or blame, just to genuinely be curious and go, wow, more is coming, more is possible. And now that I have a sense of that, how do I, what if I could, what if I could express even more of myself, more of my potential, more of my desires, more of my intellect, my, my love, my connection, my creativity, my mm. gift, my purpose and reason for being. So my biggest passion truly is, is, you know, up-leveling the expression of human flourishing around the globe. And so if this book on any, on any level can support somebody to know they are more than maybe they've thought themselves to be, then I feel like I've done my job. That's awesome. So if you're feeling stuck, then you are stuck and you should definitely get Melissa's book and uh, with some practical tips and, and professional advice on how to how to deal with that and, and you know, guide you through that. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about your 2021 Longevity Summit is coming up on the 25th mm-hmm. of August. And I know you have 65 of the world's leaving, leading longevity experts joining you on the summit. Now, wow. this is your second summit on the topic. Uh, the first one was held last year with great success. Um, what gave you the idea to start the summit and how do you feel last year's one went and what should we expect to see from the one launching at the end of this month? Yeah. Um, you know, I saw the opportunity last year as I was writing the book, right? I was in, in the book and had my foundational experts and I was just like, yeah, I just really want to share this conversation. And there are so many amazing people out there that I just really want to bring together um, as many voices. And I want to continue. For me, I, I love to simplify the process because longevity feels super complex. Most, most health feels, uh, conversations feel very complex. And for me, I'm like, I just want to distill it down. There's a pattern here and I'm really good. I'm, you know, a verbal processor and I like to take in auditory. So I'm just like, I'm just going to keep listening and I'm going to keep looking through the research and I'm going to find these pieces and these patterns that keep showing up. So think of best practices in business, right? What are best practices in life? And so it was my own little, you know, kind of research project, if you will, um, it was really fantastic. And yes, season two, I didn't know if I was going to do a second season, but it just kind of came back to me. And there were so many amazing people I didn't get to speak to. So much has changed even in a year. Um, the, mm. the level of testing that's coming out, the, the, you know, the biotech, like the technology elements that are coming out that are going to truly make a massive difference in our human experience. I was like, I have to have these conversations. Like again, mm. future's faster yeah. than you think. Things are moving it's really faster quick. than you think. I know. And, yeah. and I'm sure oh. given we've just gone through or still going through a global pandemic, 
just the working environment has changed. People at home, pressures are different. Um, And as you say, tech's different. Tech, we've been forced to... um, you know, adopt technology faster because we've had to. It's not whether it's the company policy or not, it's the world made us do it. So I think it's not only in work, but in business and AI and 5G's coming out. So there's all so many exciting things. And I love the fact that we are blending tech into the healthcare space because it's just, it's such an exciting space to watch. And, you know, I'm very personally interested in that. Yes. Yes. So, Melissa, that's great. So, um, really, you know, it's a free free, uh, summit, so sign up. Um, Again, the link is in our show notes. Um, And really, you know, if you're looking to understand and master your DNA code to live a happier, longer, healthier life, and one that approaches change with positive emotion and energy, then don't miss the summit. Sign up. um, And I know you're going to get a lot of great insights of that. Grab a copy of Melissa's book, The Codes of Longevity. Again, link is in our show notes or Amazon. And not only that, as we close, Melissa, um, I just want to thank you for your very kind gift to our Change Cultivators community. Um, Melissa's very kindly given six of our listeners um, a link to her online course, which is valued at uh, $297 for free as a Change Cultivators listener. So that is in uh, the link. Melissa, do you want to just give our our listeners just a little bit of color on the course so that they know what they're diving into there? Yes, yes, yes. So the course, the online course, it's actually a companion to the Codes of Longevity book. You don't have to have the book to get um, great value out of the course. And I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to take you through the mind, the body, and the soul, lifespan, healthspan, wellspan. And we're going to really break down the, the levers in your everyday life that will give you the most immediate response and um, and result, if you will, on extending just your expression of health. So that I think the course in total is... Um, there's workbooks, there's guides, like there's so many resources in there. I think it's a little over six hours. I try to keep it as brief as possible without overloading um, and giving just the right information, lots of exercises, lots of ways to actually not just listen to information, but I'm going to give you, you know, actionable ways to, um, to apply it so you can experience it for yourself and have real-time results. And the full course is audio and video, right? It's yeah. not uh, It's not documents. So there we have it. As you start to create more mindfulness and space, go out for your walks, get up an hour earlier and listen to Melissa's fantastic course. So um, thank you very much. First six listeners, go grab that. And Melissa, thank you for coming on the show. It's so awesome to see you again. And we wish you great success with the summit and obviously your fantastic book. So thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. Thank you all. <laughs>